It's time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you. I'm glad that you're with us on this Halloween afternoon. We're joined by Rachel Zerbe of ABC Marquette. Uh, plenty to go over in the world of sports, certainly uh, with the holiday, if you want to call it that here. I know you're not a big fan of Halloween, Rachel, but how are you going to spend it? Oh, I'll, I'm going to spend it at work. Nothing special. <laughs> not, no, no costume. No costumes over at ABC no. Marquette. No. What? Is that mandatory or is that by choice? No, it's by choice. I've oh, never. come on, Rachel. I don't remember the last time I dressed up for Halloween, to be honest. You were in college not that long yeah, ago, as I was I. To, That's a big thing. But my cousin got married a Halloween weekend, so I couldn't dress up. And then all the other times I worked. I think I dressed up freshman and sophomore year. Who gets married on Halloween weekend? My just, cousin. It was not, fun. <laughs> was it like a, a holiday-themed wedding? No. No, no nothing like that. No. Well, shoot. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have fun here on the show, though. We've got uh, plenty to go over what's happened here in the last 24 hours and maybe even a little beyond that. First and foremost, I'm sure what's on everybody's mind is the Packers and Lions and the moves they made at the trade deadline yesterday. It kind of surprised me a little bit. Maybe the Lions more so than the Packers, but both a little bit. I don't think either team is a serious Super Bowl contender, so maybe it makes sense why they'll uh, they'll choose to get a little lighter as far as their personnel. But those are some big moves, and they're only well. The Packers are half a game out of both the division and the wild card. Lions are one game out in both. It just surprises me at the moves that they did make. What about you? Yeah, it was it was surprising, and what I am getting out of that especially obviously the lot or the Packers is that the Redskins they're trying mm-hmm. to win now mm-hmm. I think haha Clint Dix that was out of nowhere that's a great pickup yeah and they're five and two <laughs> yeah exactly um I mean Golden Tate to Philadelphia all my friends are happy so <laughs> he's a great pickup yeah. he's a wonderful pickup I I almost feel the Lions there just didn't want to pay him as much as anything uh, you know, when his contract comes up yeah. at the end of the year. Because last week they were in win-now mode. They pick up Damon Harrison from the Giants. Obviously, Giants are going nowhere, and Harrison's one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. So they pick him up thinking, you know, maybe we have a shot at a wide-open mm-hmm. NFC North. And then they lose one game to Pete Carroll's squad, and suddenly they're selling their best wideout. And I, I don't know if that means the Lions are particularly sellers this year as much as they just didn't want to pay Tate. They finally have a rushing game with Carrion Johnson, and they don't have to rely on the pass as much as possible because they still have Galladay and Marvin Jones and uh, Tyler jo- mm-hmm. T.J. Jones. He can be a good number three if they need him to. So maybe the Lions aren't selling as much as trying to save some salary cap space. The Packers, though, surprising. Uh, how hard they're looking to sell. Ty Montgomery, I think we can all get that. That was, <laughs> that was a surprise. A seventh no. rounder in 2020. Like, that's pretty obvious. That they wanted they to move on like, from him. Yeah. And he away. wanted to move on from Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. So he's over to Baltimore. Ha ha, Clinton Dix, though, surprises me a lot because the secondary, yeah, I get they've drafted a few young corners that they're excited about, as they should be. There's a lot mm-hmm. to like about Jair Alexander. But ha ha was a pro bowler two years ago. He's a guy that every single Sunday he gives you a chance to win. It's one of your best players mm-hmm. on defense. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm beyond frustrated right now. Yeah, he's got to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's probably happy that Ty's out, but mm-hmm. with Ha Ha Clinton, I don't know. That just came out of the blue. I didn't, I didn't even know. Coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Packers, they had Super Bowl aspirations going into this year, as they seem to do every year, and rightfully so. But it's not panning out that way this year. They still have a shot at being mm-hmm. a playoff team. And, you know, they, they when they won the Super Bowl a few years ago, they did it as a six seed. So. Certainly there's a chance for him to still get in, and once they're in, that's when the magic happens. Mm-hmm. But Rodgers just doesn't have the pieces around him that he used to. I mean, you look at the running game. I know there are people that think Aaron Jones might work out. I'm not necessarily one of them. I'd like to see the Packers upgrade at running back if they really want to be a serious threat. They've got okay wide mm-hmm. receivers right now with uh, Geronimo Allison, Devontae Adams. Certainly Randall Cobb will make them better. Defensively, they've got a few pieces there. Mike Daniels has kind of been a disappointment this year. Uh, B.J. Raji's not there anymore. Clay Matthews maybe not having the season they were hoping for. Uh, they've gotten a lot out of Blake Martinez, but, you know, he's one guy. So the Packers aren't living up to expectations they were hoping for this year. Aaron Rodgers, I would, I almost would consider just getting out of Green Bay. I mean, I want the guy to win. I root for the guy. But I just don't see him doing it in Green Bay. The front office doesn't seem interested in giving him pieces to win. You really think 
like I don't see him anywhere but Green Bay. I don't. It's hard to. I don't know that I do, but well, at least I didn't before yesterday. Yeah. Now I start to think there's frustration there. I think he's frustrated at Mike McCarthy yeah. more than he lets on. I was going to say, isn't there like beef between the two of them? Mm-hmm. What if they just got rid of Mike McCarthy? Because a lot of people, I feel like, aren't fans of him. No, no. Anymore. There's a lot of people around yeah. here that think Aaron Rodgers would have more rings if he were in a different system. I, and I'd kind of like to see what Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. would be like in an offensive-minded system. Like, you ever paired him up with Sean Payton or somebody? But I know Sean Payton's happy with Drew Brees. But, <laughs> yeah. but you give, give him somebody of that caliber. What about... Aaron Rodgers with Sean McVay, because I'm not sold on Jared Goff just yet. I think Sean McVay is just a genius, and he's making uh, Jared Goff look a lot better than maybe he is. Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers and McVay? The Rams would be like the Warriors. Of mm-hmm. the, they really would. There'd be no like, stopping yeah. them. That would be re- I would, that would be really fun. Think about the wideouts he'd have to work with over in L.A. with guys like Robert Woods and Connor Cup, and that Think about Todd Gurley in the backfield. That's scary. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've still got uh, we've still got a wide open NFC yeah. North. Uh, your Vikings the other night they looked good. They were there. That but, Adam Thielen fumble. Yeah, that's where the game. The bit, yeah. yeah. And it's rough. it's tough because he has had he's been their best player I mean, this yeah. year. He's had such a great season, and unfortunately, he's had that one mistake, but. Whatever that doesn't define. They'll be okay. They'll yeah, be okay. They'll be okay. They're they're slowly getting there. So now, with the NFC North, we're presuming that the Lions and the Packers are going to be sellouts, and providing that this comes down to a two-team division, mm-hmm. are the Vikings or the Bears next likely to make any moves? I think I don't know. The mm-hmm. Vikings they don't have like room to make. No, moves. I think the Vikings is might be about as good as you get yeah. to be honest with you, and it's scary because. We still haven't gotten to see Dalvin Cook for more than three games a season. I'm confused. Is this a hamstring? Like, no one's out this mm-hmm. long for a hamstring. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's something I think that there's something. From yeah, us. like I just want to see Dalvin Cook. I know he's mm-hmm. he he's what we need. Mm-hmm. I mean, Latavius Murray has been like filling in. He's been stepping up. Yeah, he's done but well. I want Dalvin Cook. Like our run game is just not. I do too. I'd like to see Dalvin yeah. Cook in that Viking system. Uh, are you sold on Kirk Cousins with what he got for eighty-four million? Are you sold with that? I, I'm more sold on it than I was in the beginning. Okay, because he was just like when it happened, I was like, oh, like I don't know how I feel about this. And then when against the Packers, it was mm-hmm. I was like when he kind of like brought them back, I was like, all right, Kirk, like let's see what you got. And then he kind of like proved himself a little, but mm-hmm. I still I don't know. I'm still weary about him. He, like, has his bright spots. I mean, it helps when you have Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen mm-hmm. as your targets. Plus Rudolph. Yeah. But, like, some of the decisions he makes, I'm just like, what mm-hmm. Like what on earth was that? Like, I'm sorry, the, the interception that, I mean, I guess Diggs just stopped running. Mm-hmm. But, dude, like, are your eyes closed? I don't know. Well, you know what? He I, just I, makes some dumb decisions. Sometimes. I know we're getting away from the local teams, but Kirk Cousins is still a Michigan State guy, so that's why I really want to. <laughs> I want to dive into him here a little bit more. When you look at what he's done with the Vikings, well, even what he's done with the Redskins, I've always thought of him as uh, he's not an elite quarterback. I think he's no. slightly above average, and he he fits in with a good system. Mm-hmm. His record as a starter at Washington was twenty four, twenty three, and one, so slightly above average, and. I think he looks good because mm-hmm. the Vikings have had good offensive coordinators the last few years. He never got to work with Shermer. He's getting uh, John DeFlippo. Mm-hmm. But I think John DeFlippo brings out the best in him. I just don't know that uh, Kirk Cousins is responsible for that. I'm, I don't know. What do you think? You're a Vikings fan and you follow them. Would they be better this season if Case Keenum had stayed? I don't think so. Don't no. think so? What about I, Sam Bradford? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, as much as, like, we were on such a high with Case last season, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's in, you see what he's doing in Denver. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't he's, know. He was just, like, a one-hit wonder, kind mm-hmm. of. So, I'll give you this. What about the Redskins? Did they win all the moves that were made this year? Like, obviously, the Chiefs trumped everybody with dealing Alex Smith and getting Patrick Mahomes. He's better, and he's going to be there longer. But the Redskins deal Kirk Cousins to Minnesota. They get Alex Smith. Would the Vikings be better with Alex Smith as quarterback right now? 
I don't think so. You don't think so? No. So you're happy with Cousins, I, I, or, or as I'm, happy as I a Vikings fan can yeah, be. Okay. I'm pretty content. So uh, that's not the only quarterback controversy involving a Michigan State Spartan. Uh, Lombardi last weekend leads Michigan State to the win over, for, over Purdue, who is riding high after knocking off Ohio State the previous week. And now you've got Lewerke, who's working his way back, but he might be Wally Pipped, and he might not have a starting spot to return to. Right now, they're both listed to top the depth chart for this weekend's game. Uh, have you been following the situation closely? I know you were in Lansing a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I was in Lansing, but was I paying attention to the game? <laughs> is the real question. <laughs> no, I honestly haven't been looking into the situation that closely. I'm, I'm wondering what they do, what where they go from here, because the season has been disappointing, and they had high expectations. They were ranked in the top 25 for a time, and they had a couple of bad losses early on. And granted, there were a couple of uh, some really good games sprinkled in there from Lewerke, but the Michigan, or the Michigan game just was not a good one. That no. might have been their worst game they've played all year. And granted, Michigan, uh, probably in large part, their defense had a lot to do with that. But you can manage just about 95 yards of offense with Lewerke as quarterback. I mean, that's not going to get it done, no matter who you're playing. And you get a chance with a young guy like Lombardi. You want to give that veteran respect to Lewerke, but the numbers make it hard for you to do so. I wonder how. what are the chances that D'Antonio goes with the two-quarterback system this weekend? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. It's <laughs> I mean, Lombardi, what, he played against Purdue, right? Right. Like, they're an average team, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Like, put him up against Michigan. Like, you know, I feel Mm -hmm. like you can't really compare the two because Lewerke has been in there in, like, the big games, Mm -hmm. big situations. I wish that Michigan and Purdue played each other this year because I think that'd be fun after what happened with Ohio State. I kind of wish that game was in West Lafayette just to see – uh, if Michigan can go mm-hmm. through the same fire Ohio State did. Of course, we get to see those two um, next month, a month from tomorrow. Isn't that weird? It's already November I know, tomorrow. It's wild. Football is <laughs> going to be getting really good here in the coming uh, weeks and basketball as well. Less than one week till college I'm hoops so tip off. I can't wait. <laughs> We're going to dive right into it on the other side of this break. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN UP, the ESPN UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize, only to Jibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Talking turkey, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. That means it's turkey time, and a Jibwe Casino has got you covered. Come in November 4th and earn 50 same-day points. You will get a $25 supermarket gift card. You can get your very own turkey, fixins, or whatever you want for Turkey Day. That's available at a Jibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette on Sunday, November 4th. Supplies are limited, so get there early. Tanner Hoops joined by Rachel Zerby of ABC Marquette. College basketball, less than one week away from tipping off. I can't wait. I know you can't either. This is going to be such a fun season. What are you most excited about going into this year? I mean, college basketball is where the unexpected happens. Mm -hmm. So I just like not really knowing what you're going to get to start. Who would have thought Sister Jean would have ever had her chance to shine earlier this year because Chicago Loyola was going to find their way to the Final Four? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was fun. Yeah, no that one was saw such that an coming. awesome story. No one saw <laughs> a number 16 seed beating a number one for the first time this year. UMBC uh-huh. taking down Virginia. Virginia's still a top five team. That's their reward for getting bounced in the first round, being on the wrong side of history. How about the local teams around here? Michigan made their magical run to the championship game. Uh, they got thrashed by Villanova, but they got hot at the right time, and they found a way uh, to finish as national runner-ups. They're in the top 25, as is Wisconsin and Sparty. Of those three teams, who has the best chance at making a run deep into March? I think Michigan again. Do you? Yeah. Hmm. Tell me why. I mean, why not? Okay. I like that. I just feel like they're kind of like, I don't want to say the underdogs, Mm -hmm. but the talent. I mean, John mm-hmm. Beeline, he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's been to the championship twice in the last five years, albeit uh, the one 
you know, black marked on Patino's part back in 2013. Uh, you have Wisconsin, a team that always seems to be right there. Maybe they're looking for a little bit of stability. The news came out today that Aleem Ford is going to have surgery. Uh, that's actually later today after he injured his knee in practice. So he's out indefinitely. Not lost for the season, but big loss for the Badgers. Yeah, I don't really... I mean, Wisconsin never really sticks out to me Mm -hmm. as, like, a basketball school, if I'm being completely honest. But Michigan State, I just feel like every year I get disappointed. I get my hopes high for them, and then they just get bounced early in the tournament. How many years ago was it we saw all those shirts that said January, February, Izzo, April, May, and now they're starting to see these early exits from the tournament these last couple of years? I I don't know what goes on down there. Tom, like, Tom is one of my favorite coaches. Yeah, mine too. I, I just don't get, like, why every year, mm-hmm. year in and year out, they get bounced. You know, and, and they do, struggle. Do they have a bunch of hotheads on their team? Like, is that their attitudes? They, they just struggled has to be, early they on have in the tournament. To, yeah. Like, I think, I just feel like they're the ones beating themselves mm-hmm. year in and year out. There's a few teams that you can't count on to make deep runs. You never want to fill out as final four teams in your bracket. One of them's Virginia. Yeah. And the last few years, it started to be Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And Izzo has been known for dominating March, and there's no way he's ever going anywhere. If he ever leaves Michigan State, it's on his own terms because of what he does in the regular season and what he's done for the program. But in the postseason, he's got to get better because mm-hmm. he's good enough to win a title uh, they certainly looked good last night against Northern when they were well, down there at the Breslin. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't really take much. But but ranked ranked ten uh, tenth in the country. Where do you see them finishing out in the Big Ten this season? Mm. Big Ten's <laughs> tough to predict. That's that's a tough. Yeah. One. But that's tough to predict. I don't. I don't know. I I really don't know. Ohio State. I mean, high. Be right. Ohio but State will be better, and Penn State will be better. Those games. They're not going to be years, competitive. No, they them. won't. But they'll be better. And you yeah. can't count on them anymore for a win, like you can count on Rutgers or yeah. uh, sometimes Minnesota, depending when they're healthy. Nebraska had their run last season that nobody saw coming. Um, Iowa's a team that'll make you earn a win. Uh, who else? Maryland is not. A gimme by any means. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Big Ten's going to be tough again this year. You've got the top tier teams like Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue, those teams that are going to contend uh, for the Big Ten title. And then you get a few teams that are going to be toughies that they're hard to predict. So the top five, I think, are cemented. Mm-hmm. And then you've got about six through 10 spots. Could be anybody. And then you got kind of the bottom tier ones. As always. As always. Big Ten tournament's going to yeah. be fun. I mean, it always is. I, I feel like Michigan's going to win the Big Ten this year. High on Michigan. I like yeah. that. I mean, All just right. coming off there, I mean, they were in the national championship last year. Mm-hmm. Michigan State got bounced early on, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to base it off of that. All right. All right. <laughs> going off what happened last year, looking for Michigan to ride their success from last season. Rachel Zerby of ABC Marquette in studio today. How about your Temple Owls? What do you look at for them for this season? Uh, well, it is Fran Dumphy's last season as head coach. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know anything about him, but he is by far my favorite coach mm. I have ever interviewed, ever interacted with. He is just the classiest guy ever. But I don't know, year in and year out, Temple, they just have high expectations. They never live up to them. But they should. I mean, in the AAC, they should make do some damage. They should. Keyword should. Because they should every year, and they don't. What's the but, outlook for the AAC this year? Do you, where do you see Temple fitting in? I know that one's tough, too, because there's a lot of underrated basketball over there. Yeah, I mean, the AAC is underrated, but we'll save that for another day. I don't know. I really haven't really looked into AAC mm-hmm. much this year. Well, so you get a chance with know. Temple coming up. Temple basketball as well as the rest of the NCAA right around the corner. Kansas, they reload, and they're the number one to start the season. Are you sold on them? No, I think they're overrated on, Do you? like every year. They kind of are, but <laughs> but Bill Self has earned that kind of recognition yeah. from the uh, rankings committee. They just reload so much. I don't know that we've seen enough of them. I'm one of those people that I think we need about two or three weeks at least before mm-hmm. we have a ranking system. Uh, but Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, they always reload well. Their coaches know what they're about, and they're built for that. Yeah, I just haven't seen these guys on the floor enough. To say exactly. Kansas deserves the number one ranking. Maybe they do, but we don't know yet. Like, 
the rankings for the new year kind of always confuse me because in mm-hmm. a way it's like why wouldn't villanova be number one mm-hmm. like they're the defending national champions you know what do you look at for villanova this year what are you looking at them for an expectation i mean they'll it's villanova they'll they'll make their run that they always do yeah it's jay Wright. <laughs> i yeah. don't know i don't we You're not a Villanova I fan, Villanova. I know. <laughs> but what about Jay Wright? How do you feel about him? Um, he's a good coach. Not something you can say on air, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But you respect his coaching. Yeah, okay. I do. Okay, I mean, that, you have to. That way, that's a good radio answer. <laughs> How about a few teams in the top ten that are a little surprising? Tennessee's number six, Nevada's number seven. I mean, those two surprise me a little. How about you? Not really Nevada. I'm a big Nevada are fan you really? now. After last year, yes. Okay. I'm all in on them. All right. What are they, the Wolfpack? The Wolfpack. Yeah. If I'm hopping on a bandwagon this year, it's the Wolfpack. All right. <laughs> so they are number seven this year. Uh, how about Kansas State at number 12? When, when did they suddenly Talk get? Talk about an always overrated team. Mm-hmm. Kansas, they're ranked, I swear, every year. And mm-hmm. every year I'm just like, who is this cupcake team? It's just because, what, Big 12 they're in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're ranked ahead of uh, West Virginia, comes in right behind them, and then Oregon is number 14. Dana Altman has had some good years, and he's had some not-so-good years. I don't know if this team's going to be any better or not. Uh, it just seems high to me. I don't know what they did to deserve a number 14 ranking early on. Yeah, I don't really – I mean, we haven't seen any of these teams. It's so hard for us to mm-hmm. decide. But. How about uh, TCU getting some love in the early going? They're number 20. I actually like that one. I like Jamie Dixon as a head coach. I think he's got them on the rise. I don't know if they're 20th ranked in the country (laughs) good, but I'm glad to see that they're starting to get some recognition. I do think that they're on the rise. I also just want to make a note. I love that Chicago Loyola is the first team receiving votes outside the top 25. That's funny because they probably won't do anything this year. I hope they do. <laughs> Once they get into the tournament, I hope it is Sister Jean's Did time UMBC to shine. Did UMBC receive any votes? I don't think so. I don't think so. What a shame. The NBA. Milwaukee, last unbeaten team. How sold are you on the Bucks? I mean, yeah, they're good. They're one of the top teams in the East, but like I say every week, it's entirely way too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it too early for the Houston Rockets? What's going on with them early on? I honestly have no idea. They they were such a good home <laughs> team last year. They they were what thirty four and seven on their home court last year. They're zero and four at home to start twenty eighteen. I mean, they didn't get any worse this off season. I wouldn't think. I would have thought that they got better. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, I don't know. As much as people like to say that the NBA is kind of predictable, it's mm-hmm. really not. No? And this, the beginning of the season kind of goes to prove it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, they'll, they'll get it together. Did you predict uh, Steph Curry setting a record for three-pointers in a game last week and then having it broken four days later by his teammate? I mean, I'm not surprised that it <laughs> happened. <laughs> They're putting up 92 and one half, and Boogie Cousins hasn't even taken the floor yet. I don't know if that's good or bad for basketball. It's in the Western Conference. So I don't really care. But Exactly. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're watching the best basketball we'll probably ever witness in mm-hmm. our lives. So if you don't appreciate it, then I think there's, like, an issue. But for the rest of the league, I mean, it's just what do you – there's nothing you can do. Well, I want to bring up Golden State because – they match up against Milwaukee next week. They play Milwaukee twice in the next two months. And Milwaukee has hit 19 three-pointers in each of their last two games. What is the realistic score that we're going to get between Golden State and Milwaukee next week? That could be 170 to 165. Oh I wasn't thinking that high. I was thinking maybe in like Why the, not? the 130s. Why not, though? If, the, if Golden State I mean, continues hey, if it's to put a the shootout, pressure then, on. Yeah. Yeah, if they continue to put the pressure on. Maybe what I said was an exaggeration. But <laughs> if Golden State keeps their starters in for all four quarters in a game like what mm-hmm. they had the other night, 92 at halftime, NBA record for regular season uh, regulation game, single points uh, scored by one team is 173. They could beat that. They could totally beat that. I think they'll definitely beat it this year. You think so? Yeah. All they need to do is like play the Atlanta Hawks or someone. Well, they, And they've got to <laughs> be in a game where it's a high-octane offense. That's why I think the Milwaukee game is the perfect one to do it in because they're going to pull their starters if they play a terrible team and it's a blowout. They're going to pull their starters. We need them to keep their starters on the floor for every minute of the game. 
or at least most, you know, get, get them in there as much as possible. That's why I think the game with Milwaukee might be the best shot. Those are the two best shooting teams in the early going so far. Which is surprising. I mean, Milwaukee, that's what they needed to get, and they got it. Mm-hmm. Every game, there's like six or seven players scoring in double figures, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Look how deep they are this mm-hmm. year, and I wonder how much that has to do with Coach Bud taking over. He gets the best out of a lot of mid-level guys. He brings them up, like Ursan Yayasova the other night, 19 points filling in for Giannis. Where did that come from? Who would have thought that would happen? I mean, honestly, that doesn't surprise me. I loved Ursan. Really? And when he was on the Sixers, mm. yeah. Okay. So you know what he's about, <laughs> yeah. what, he, what he can do. I mean, there's no replacing Giannis, no. but he comes in and drops 19, and he helps uh, Milwaukee put up 124 and beat a previously unbeaten Toronto team. How about the Pistons? They started off the year so well. I had a caller on my show last week said Detroit was absolutely not for real. They were undefeated at the time. They've lost back-to-back to Boston, although last night, pretty encouraging performance. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the game on TV, but I ran the highlights in my show, and they had the potential to tie up. The person, whoever was inbounding the ball, just completely mm-hmm. threw it away. And I was like, okay. I mean, they played Boston well over at the TD Garden. Lost 108 to 105. And I give credit to Kyrie Irving for that. Finally. Yeah, he cut his hair and his shots better. Yeah. Less hair, less problems. I was like, oh, I saw Kyrie, 31 points. Oh, he does know how to play basketball. He is on the team, okay. (laughs) He's got it figured out. (laughs) So uh, Boston gets the win last night over Detroit as they take their second straight loss. Good news, though, is the Red Wings did win. They beat Columbus 5-3. to Michael Rasmussen with his first goal. Three-point night for Dylan Larkin as he scores twice. We've got Rachel Zerby of ABC Marquette in studio with us. We'll take a break and come back with more in the sports pen here on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only to Jibwa Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Rachel Zerby of ABC Marquette. Uh, touching on the NBA, congrats to Lou Williams, maybe the best six-man of our generation. Rachel's clapping in studio. Uh, 10,000 career points off the bench. Third all-time behind Del Curry, who's number one, and Jamal Crawford, big Lou Williams fan. Good to see. Same. What's that song? That Drake song. I, he like mentions him about being sick man or something. But sick yeah, man. Lou Williams. He he's a great. He's funny. I like to watch him play. Consistently him. one yeah. of the best six man in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, rightfully so that he gets uh, on into the top three in points scored off the bench. That's impressive. What ten thousand points? Ten thousand points bench. off the bench. I mean that's it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, like you are like our first starter <laughs> off the bench. You know you're never gonna start a game. I mean basically do you have the tip, get the ball, call timeout five seconds in and put him in? Like yeah, I just really? don't understand uh-huh. the mentality. Like. I'm sure there is something. I'd love to talk to Lou sometime about it, mm-hmm. but I just wish I understood the mentality as far as being a starter or starting the game sitting down on the bench. I just, I don't know what it is that transforms him from such a good player. And like even coaching wise, like mm-hmm. do you throw him in when your team's like kind of struggling mm-hmm. or like when, when's the right time to put him in so he can catch fire, you know? Either way, good for Lou yeah. Williams. He does his thing <laughs> and, uh, you know. Can't say the same about the Clippers as a whole, though. They're not necessarily doing their thing. You know the Clippers are a joke when they have a tribute video to Austin Rivers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I saw that on Twitter, and I was like, you have got to be kidding. I didn't even bother watching it because I was no. like, this is pathetic and embarrassing on their part. Uh, the Lake Show is taking <laughs> over L.A. right now. Yeah. The Clippers are starting to fall away uh, to irrelevancy as much as you may not like to say that. Uh, how about this? Obviously, Boston won the World Series earlier this week. So Parading around town. Parading right around town. They get their 11th title since the year 2000. They are by far the winningest franchise, a winningest sports city as a whole uh, in this millennium with L.A. being second. So I went back and I looked at what sports cities have been the best in America over the last uh really over the last uh, 100 years or so from the time that professional sports have been a thing. And you look back at the combined titles between football, hockey, baseball, and basketball, how all these titles uh, stack up, and who would be title town. Um, you have any guess who it would be before I tell you who would, which city would have the most titles? And I'm not talking about franchises that are there right now. I mean, uh, the Minneapolis Lakers count as Minneapolis. It's 
basically whatever city has had a championship come there and had a parade for it, basically. I don't know. I'm, I mean, my guess would be, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I would go with Boston, but like, I, that's. Boston's number two, actually. Is LA number one? It's New York. Oh, New York's how did I number miss one. That? Boston's number two. <laughs> then you have Chicago. Uh, Montreal would be fourth. I don't know if you count them since they're north of the border, but it's New York, Boston, Chicago, Montreal. Number five is Detroit, which is interesting because you hear fans here say they complain about how bad they have it, and Rachel's <laughs> waving them off right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're you're from Philadelphia, I'm from Iowa, and there's not a whole lot of titles going around either of those places, although more in Philadelphia here since you've been gone. Yeah, fun fact, actually 10 years ago, um, the Phillies had their parade, and I threw a fit because my mom would not let me go. She's like, you are too young, blah, 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 blah. I was 14 at the time. That's not too young. And now I'm like, thanks, Mom. Now I'll probably never go to a parade again because I obviously wasn't home for the Eagles one. So... Or the Villanova Parade, although well, I would you wouldn't go. have gone there I, w- anyway. I was home for those, but I didn't go to those, because why would I? If you're wondering, uh, Philadelphia comes in number eight on the list of American cities, number nine overall behind Montreal. Uh, so Philadelphia would take into account the Eagles, Phillies, the Sixers, the Flyers, and whatever teams maybe have been there before, because I guess they've had, what, the A's were there in baseball for a while, so... I don't know. Whatever franchises were there. <laughs> the Philadelphia Soul. They were national champions. Philadelphia Soul. There you go. <laughs> Philadelphia Soul. Man, that's... Uh, I don't think you have a parade for No, them. that goes back to our childhood. Like, I mean, no. the Phil- wow. yeah, the, yeah, the Philadelphia Soul. The football team. Yep, yeah. the arena football team. Yeah. Are they still a team? I, I think so. I wonder. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I actually liked those games growing up, playing the New York Dragons and the Chicago Rush. I mean, the uniforms were cool, yeah. but then arena football, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a hobby. It's a I mean, something to do. To get a second chance, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, shoot. Uh, speaking of football and what's going on, I want to bring this up. Um, goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment. The Lions may be selling out a little bit. I don't know if they're completely waving the white flag this year. Uh, fans vote on Twitter that the Lions were bigger sellers than the Packers were. I tend to disagree, to be honest with you. I don't think either is being too aggressive going after it, but I would say that the Packers are bigger sellers than the Lions just because uh, Ha Clinton Dix means a lot more to the Packers than Golden Tate did to the Lions because the Lions still have capable wideouts. I know Golden Tate, I'd say he's a far better player than Ha but who do you have when you take away Ha from the Packers? You've still got Galladay and Marvin Jones with Detroit who can carry the load pretty well. You have Jair Alexander as your number one defensive back when you take him away, when you take HaHa away from the Packers. So you look at Matthew Stafford, and if the Lions are selling out, my question is why? They're not winning games, I give you that, but they've got the pieces there to be successful. Their offensive line is excellent. They've got two great tackles in TJ Lang and uh, Taylor Decker. Matthew Stafford's an underrated quarterback. I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. You can disagree if you want, but I think he's better than people give him credit for. on Johnson is starting to become the solution at running back they've been looking for. Again, mention the wideouts that they have. They've got a veteran kicker with Matt Prater, who's usually uh, fairly consistent. Their defense is not bad. Their defense isn't bad. They've got capable corners with Darius Slay. Uh, Grover Quinn is back there. They've got okay linebackers and okay defensive line. Better, like they're the, the New York Giants would kill for that kind of a defense right now. There's a lot of teams they that would kill, kill for, a lot for of that. Things. Jaguars would probably kill for that defense. There's a <laughs> lot of teams that would love to be in the Lions position. So why are they sellers? I mean, why Golden Tate? Uh, the return on investment, maybe. I still like feel like they could have got a lot more back for Golden Tate because he's better than Amari Cooper. And the Cowboys dealt a first-rounder for him. The Cowboys are stupid. They are stupid. That was a stupid <laughs> trade. But the Lions, are they stupid for dealing Tate for a third-rounder? They could have got a lot more back for him, I think. And if they really are trying to look for next season, knowing they're not Super Bowl contenders, why settle for that, for Golden Tate? I, what more would have they got? I think they could have got a lot higher. At least a second-rounder, at the very least. Like A third-rounder, that's not that bad. Didn't they restructure Marvin Jones's contract so now they have a decent amount of cap space so that's I just see Golden Tate as a top tier NFL talent I mean he's gonna be a guy that I think he'll be successful in 
Philadelphia. Oh, no doubt. Carson, Carson Wentz is going to love him. Oh, yeah. He's going to love he, him. Yeah. Now, Philadelphia is making their moves to try and repeat as NFC East champions. Well, yeah, because they have the Redskins got a mm-hmm. bit better. The Redskins so. are going to contend with them. Alex Smith is a great quarterback, and HaHa is going to upgrade mm-hmm. uh, the secondary. And even Adrian Peterson is acting like a capable running oh, back. Oh, I love that. Isn't that great? Vintage AP. If there's two things, I love to see vintage AP and vintage Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. The okay, best. Yeah. I love vintage. when they come back. <laughs> Last run for D. Wade. Hopefully he goes out on top. Uh, but you look at what the Lions have to work with, and you talk about uh, their offensive line and what they have. I like that line a lot. I think it's one of the best in football with uh, Taylor Decker, TJ Lang. So what I want to bring up is can a quarterback be a product of their offensive line? How good can they be? Can their performance be based solely or almost wholly off who's in front of them? You look at Dak Prescott, and I think he's a prime example for it because he's not an elite NFL quarterback. He was when he had a good offensive line back in 2016. When he doesn't, you start to see what he really is. Well, I mean, yeah, I, the offensive line, I think, plays like 90% of it, <laughs> or a lot of it. I mean, you look at look at the Giants. Eli mm-hmm. Manning, he's an elite quarterback. He can't do crap. No. Their offensive line is horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone is good when you have time to throw the ball. So how much credit then can we give guys like Matthew Stafford because despite the offensive line I think he would still do well even if he had a below or a somewhat average line I think that he is still performing at a higher level uh, that he has a good offensive line which he should but doesn't always get the credit that he deserves for it maybe just because they don't win over here in Detroit yeah I think that plays a part in it I don't know to me Stafford's just like a uh, yeah. quarterback well, uh, how about Baltimore? Because they got a pretty good offensive line. Is Joe line. Flacco elite? <laughs> Question of the century. You know, and, and I saw on Twitter one time, I learned that, you know, in the medieval times, they used a backwards question mark for rhetoric questions or whatever. First time I ever saw that used was on Twitter asking if Joe Flacco was an elite quarterback. It's the best question ever. I mean, he's no won, one has he's an answer won a Super for Bowl, it. But what's he done it's, since? It's like a tough question, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. You don't know the answer to it. So then uh, I, I look at the top two offensive lines in the NFL as far as least pressure allowed. And this is the percentage of dropbacks where the offense has allowed the quarterback to be pressured. The Lions are number one. They are the best offensive line statistically at keeping pressure off their quarterback. I knew their line was good, but that surprises wow. me a little bit. I feel like I would, I don't know. I feel like I expect more out of Stafford with mm-hmm. that. I, I think that... They're, they're, they're trying to. It's a culture over there, and I think Stafford comes up with big throws when he needs to. Maybe not as consistently mm-hmm. as he needs to, but I think he gets uh, not as much credit as he probably deserves. I bring up Flacco because number two in the list is the Ravens. They give him plenty of time. Should he be making uh, more <laughs> things happen than he is? I feel like Joe Flacco is one of those quarterbacks that has been around for years. Mm, he has. <laughs> like, I, he has. I feel like I was like five years old, though, and mm-hmm. he was like the Ravens quarterback. I'm uh, not sure I remember who was quarterback before. Was it Steve McNair? Was he, did he quarterback the Ravens for a little bit? You're asking the wrong person. Yeah, that, that, that was a long time. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. Yeah. Uh, continuing down that list, the top five offensive lines that allow the least pressure on their quarterback, Steelers are number three. And right now, based on what I've seen this season, I wouldn't set my franchise around Ben Roethlisberger. He's God, just, he's, no. I, I don't want to say he's over the hill because it's been too small of a sample size, but he's not doing much to prove us wrong. No, he, I think he'll be thrown in the towel soon. You think so? Yeah. Number four on the list is New Orleans. And granted, Drew Brees is one of the best of all time. I mean, he can do whatever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. If he's pressured, he'll be fine. If mm-hmm. he's not pressured, he'll be even better. He's just a consistent quarterback. And it's not like he's had a... A wonderfully designed system like Andy Reid gives Mahomes or mm-hmm. Belichick gives Brady. Granted, Sean Payton's an offensive genius, but he's not a system quarterback by any means. And then number five is the Panthers, and uh, you have Cam Newton, the fast dinosaur. <laughs> He'll do whatever he wants back there. <laughs> he does whatever he wants. He just makes things yeah. happen. Uh, how about the worst five uh, offensive lines at pressuring? The Giants. The Giants are actually not on there, which surprises me quite oh. a bit. I don't know where they are in the list, but they, uh, they've they got to be up there. Worst five offensive lines, uh, starting with the worst, 
is the Houston Texans, which doesn't totally surprise yeah. me. Deshaun Watson's trying to come back from injury, and I feel for him because it's been a I tough year. Yeah. He had a great year last year before he got hurt, and his old line is just awful this season. Uh, Seahawks are right in front of them. Russell Wilson struggling Talk this year. Talk about a guy I feel bad for, I, Yeah, and I don't know how much of those struggles yeah. are his fault. Cowboys talked about them. They're up there in the list. Blake Bortles, his struggles have been well documented. They're bringing in Landry Jones to supplement him, they say, for health reasons with Blake Bortles. Uh, he got benched for Cody Kessler. Maybe that's because his offensive line is the fourth worst as far as pressure allowed in the NFL. Maybe it's just because he's not an elite quarterback. And then right after him, Cleveland Browns. They're missing Joe Thomas. Oh, the Cleveland Browns. Have you seen Joe Thomas, though, since he retired? And It's like he looks really good. He looks, he's lost a bunch of weight since he retired from football. It's like the stress of not being a Cleveland Brown and having to physically oh, yeah. carry that team has helped him regress as far as his age. He looks 10 years <laughs> younger. Maybe they should, maybe you should come back now. <laughs> now that they cleared some air in Cleveland. Uh, we'll do this before we go to break. Any person that you have in mind that Cleveland should be looking at as a hire for their head coaching gig? No. No. Not right off the top Who of wants head. that job is the thing. I mean, there's I, th- be I feel like a lot of people, I mean, you have Baker. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have fun with it. Like, mm-hmm. you can develop a team, you know? Well, and here's the situation where they've gone through head coaches and quarterbacks so much here since they've rebirthed as a franchise in 99. Here, they're coming into a new head coaching situation where for the first time in how long – they know who their franchise quarterback is. Mm-hmm. They finally have their guy with Baker Mayfield. Now it's about getting the coach exactly. who's going to bring the best out of them, mm-hmm. which is why Greg Williams, a defensive mind, isn't going to stay on beyond this season. He's only going to be the interim head coach. they got to find an offensive mind to pair up with Baker. Lincoln Riley, his college coach, said already he doesn't want it. So who do they get around the NFL? Who are some names that they might throw out there? I don't know. I don't know who wants it, who's available, what have you. Uh I don't know. Browns have their hands full. And John Dorsey, I think, has done better at building up this team since taking over for Ray Farmer. He's really got his uh, work cut out for him as far as figuring out who he wants to take over this job. We'll finish off this episode of the Sports Pen after this. You're listening to ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops joined by Rachel Zerby of ABC Marquette. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only to Jibwa Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Once again, Rachel Zerby of ABC Marquette in studio with us. We were talking during the break as we talked about the, uh, the Browns coaching change, uh, who might be taking over that franchise and working with Baker Mayfield. It's almost like a domino effect with Cleveland pro coaches. Uh, after Ty Lue was fired on Saturday, then Terry Francona, you wondered what was his future. <laughs> the Indians put out in a statement on Twitter, he will be their manager coming in next season. Uh, but the Cavaliers getting away from kind of our local scene just for a second. They bring in, uh, well, they don't bring in, they promote Larry Drew to the interim coordinator, uh, interim coach, and they win. They finally get their first win last night. There's no longer... An, uh, winless team in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is anyone surprised that Ty Lue got fired? No. That's what happens when LeBron James isn't on your team. Where does he go from here? Where does Ty Lue go from Nowhere. here? Nowhere. You don't think so? No. Because I had to look up where David Blatt was now. David Blatt was... I totally forgot about that Yeah, guy. exactly. I mean, he, he was an NBA champion coach. Uh, granted, that wasn't on him, but he Is it was... Is he, like, overseas or something? He's now coaching in the Greek professional yeah, league. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oikos or something. No, not Oikos. I think that's a yogurt. But yeah. it's, something like, it's something like that. It's like that's his team name or something like that. But no, he's over in the Greek professional league. So I don't know where Ty Lue goes from here. But uh, not in the NBA. No. That's I, not where we're yeah. guessing. Uh, so Detroit has a chance to redeem themselves tonight. They take the floor against Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn's not a very good team. No. Expectations not <laughs> high for them at 2-5. and five. Karis LeVert is their best player. I mean, he was great at Michigan. That doesn't translate to the NBA. I think that tells you enough about uh, Brooklyn and what they are this season. 
Gotta like what you gotten out of guys like Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. He had a great game last night in Boston before getting into foul trouble. The Pistons, this is their chance to get back on track uh, at 4-2 and two after being swept by Boston in a home-and-home. Home. Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are going to be, I think, some of my favorite players mm-hmm. to watch. Why is that? But like, is They're it just... a personal personal thing? Like, uh, you like the way they play or the numbers they can put well, up? The numbers they put up, too. And, like, Blake Griffin, I mean, he's always stood out to me, as I'm sure he stood out to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Just the way he plays, his his dunks, you know, they get you going. He's just a fun guy to watch, so I'm glad to see he's kind of getting back on track to the old Blake Griffin we know. Hopefully no injury will happen and this stays up. But Ish Smith had a pretty good first half last night. It, you're clapping again <laughs> for him. You're an Ish Smith he, fan. he was in Philadelphia for a quick stint, and he was a fan favorite because he just fired up three balls left and right. It was incredible. Well, uh, you've got him, and he's off to a pretty good start this season. Who's not, however, uh, maybe Stanley Johnson or Reggie Bullock. I mean, what's the best we could expect out of those two from a piston standpoint? And maybe even throw in Zaza Peculia in there. Reggie, or, or who'd you say, Stanley Johnson? Stanley Johnson out of Arizona. A, a lot of expectations were on him when he came out of yeah. college. And, again, it's just not translated at the NBA. See, I thought um... – I really thought Dwayne Casey was going to kind of have, not fun with him, but mm-hmm. I feel like he could have developed him. He seems like a, a good more. fit for a yeah. guy like that, yeah. Oh, Reggie Bullock is just <laughs> Reggie. He's struggling. <laughs> you know, he's not, aren't gonna he's get not really an him, NBA player in my no. eyes. No. How about Zaza after his time over in Golden State, part of some really good teams? He comes off the bench for Detroit. I mean, what does he bring to them? Does He, he wasn't the reason Golden State was successful. He was a role player over there. But does he bring any of that to Detroit? No, I think he brings the smack talk if he needs it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he can do something like that. He needs someone to get under someone's skin. He's the guy you go to. So you've got uh, Detroit visiting Brooklyn tonight. Uh, Detroit right now fourth in the Eastern Conference. Again, way too early. You look at the East and how things have shaken out. And it's probably gone about the way a lot of people thought mm-hmm. it would. You've got the top eight teams that they thought they would be, maybe not in the right order. And then the bottom eight, uh, they're all pretty much where a lot of people thought they would be, except maybe Washington. They might be the big surprise. I didn't think they'd be this bad to start the season. I, mean, I haven't you? even really heard much about them. They not, shouldn't be. They shouldn't be, like John Wall and Bradley, Bradley Beal. Beal. Yeah, yeah, like, come on. You look at that and you're like, oh, like, easily top eight. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Austin Rivers and his video tribute from the Clippers. I mean, if he's good enough for a video tribute, then Washington shouldn't be one and six. (laughs) Uh, Indiana's four and three. I thought, you know, they're kind of about where we thought they Mm -hmm. might be. The number five team in the East, uh, maybe a team that could sneak under the radar. And then uh, you look out west, Golden State is on top. Uh, took a while for New Orleans to lose. They were the last unbeaten team, but they've suddenly lost two straight, and they're four and two. Anybody out west that kind of surprises you, and how they've started for better or for worse, besides Houston? <laughs> N- not really. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I guess OKC. I, I my expectations are kind of always high for them mm-hmm. every year, and I don't really know why. I think it's just because obviously Westbrook mm-hmm. and Paul but, George. Yeah, but they're. Paul George is such an up-and-down player. Mm-hmm. If he's hot, he's good. If he's he's good. hot it, it, watch out. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like he's cold too often. Yep, and he is. He is, and they were 0-4 to start this season, but suddenly they've won two straight, so they're starting to get it figured out. Um, Jimmy Butler and the whole trade saga that they're looking at, I mean, that's continuing in Minnesota. Minnesota's just not winning games for the amount of talent they have, so it seems to me one way or another – They've got to make this. I don't know what's taken them so long to pull the trigger. They are not going to contend for the West this season. Look ahead to next year. Get four first-round picks and set yourself up to be a dynasty. I don't know why they're holding out to get Eric Gordon as part of the package deal. Uh, Minnesota, they make me so angry Mm -hmm. because on paper, like, they just look like such a fun team. They should be good. And they are just not. (laughs) No, they're not. not. There's just no chemistry. No. So if Jimmy Butler wants to come to Philadelphia, he's more than welcome mm-hmm. to. He would be a great fit over there. He would. I mean, how how much would he <laughs> elevate Philadelphia if they did? You said in the preseason you thought they would be the number two team in the East. If they get a guy like Jimmy Butler, depending what they'd have to give up, assuming that they don't give up anybody in the current well, roster. Well, they can have Mark Helfolds because I'm okay. done with him. 
Yeah, not the first round picker in Benjamin, <laughs> baby. Okay, so you give Markel Fultz or future first rounders. Uh, let's say it's a straight swap. Fultz for Jimmy Butler. Obviously, Philly wins that deal. Oh, but does that elevate them over Boston? It's okay to say yes. You know I'm a Boston fan, but it's okay to say yes if that's what you think. I don't. It'll make it a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still think we're a little a few steps behind Boston. What would it take to get Philadelphia over Boston right now? If you were the GM, you could play GM. What would you get if you're Philadelphia? Oh, God. Put me on the spot. This is everyone's I, dream to be GM of their franchise. See, I'm not good at this. Every year I forget. Every week I forget to set my um, oh, roster fantasy? for fantasy. Yeah. So I'm not good. <laughs> I don't know. At, at this point, I just want guards. One guards, okay. Yep. Jimmy would shoot. certainly help in that situation, yeah. Get an upgrade over De- Dario or however Dario. you say his name. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Dario, and then our Philadelphia said they put out a it's press Dario. release. Or don't something. listen to that. It's, it's, <laughs> don't listen to the media guide that the 76ers put out. All right, we'll do that. It's uh, Dario. That's easier to say anyway. Um, so, no, we look out in the NBA. I mean, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun season, like you said. We know Golden State's probably mm-hmm. going to contend for the title, but there's a lot of unpredictability there, exactly. and a lot of it happens with the off-court issues, with things like uh, the whole Jimmy Butler thing. I mean, I'd argue that's good for the NBA. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's a genius. I mean, he is a genius, because <laughs> this was all scripted. This yeah. was totally scripted. If he really wanted to be traded, this wouldn't have happened two weeks before tip-off of the regular season. Exactly. And continuing on with NBA stories, Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. Yes. That's never going to die. No, I just won't. want them to fight it out. Even Chris Paul and Rondo and Ingram a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe that's the last thing we can hit on here before we sign off. Uh, you always think of Chris Paul as maybe one of the nice guys, a likable guy after you see his State Farm commercials with his twin brother Cliff. <laughs> and you think of him maybe as a one of the good guys, a personable guy in the NBA. And then... Uh, Rajon Rondo, maybe a dislikable guy for some fans because of how vocal and in your face he is. But now you're starting to hear teammates of Chris Paul, former ones anyway, talking about maybe we've got the narrative all wrong. And you look on YouTube and maybe you see some some videos of Chris Paul doing some plays that are conceived dirty, maybe not on Grayson Allen's level at Duke, but uh, certainly... You know, maybe the narrative's being changed about Chris Paul. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really going to listen to anything Rondo has to say mm-hmm. because he doesn't really have room to talk. Right. But I mean, he's not even a starter for the yeah. Lakers right now. For now, I'm going to – I'm on Chris Paul's side. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> unless we hear differently, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll stick with Team CP3. <laughs> Rachel Zerby's our guest of ABC Marquette. Rachel, thanks for being here. Happy Halloween, even though you're not dressing yeah, up. Yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again. We'll see you here next week when uh, it's November. We're already flipping the calendar to November. That's it for us. By the way, by the time we have our next show, college basketball will have tipped off. Uh, This is the Sports Pen here on ESPN-UP. We're off again until tomorrow, right back here, same time and place on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP mobile app.